checking to see if you was with me this morning, but yeah, I remember Noah and the ark, and, and if y'all remember that picture, if you looked at that, uh, there's a picture of water is right up to the bottom of the door, and there's a panic looked on people's faces, and they're, they're obviously in the picture, they're yelling, and they're, they're beating on the door to, to say, open the door. The flood has came, but if you know that story, a little bit about that story, you know when Noah and his family were building the ark, you remember what the people were doing? They were going by laughing at them. They were making fun of them. They were, they were hollering out to him, you know, you're a nut, you know, you're a fanatic, you're building the ark. It, at that point, it had never even rained. So all of a sudden, when judgment came, people realized, you know what, this is God's judgment. Now, I want you to think about us in America today. We, as Christians, are the butt of so many jokes. I mean, you really are. If you don't know that, then you don't get on Facebook or you don't listen to the news or very many talk shows because the, the Christian faith is a joke. And, and, and it's, it's the butt of so many jokes. And and also, it's misquoted, misrepresented, you know. If you don't agree with the mainstream today, then you're some kind of phobe, whatever it may be. Just put your front in, in front of it. And, and so, so, so many people are choosing cursings over blessings. And I don't think we really think about that, but that's what we're doing. You know, if you or I go and plead with someone about receiving Christ or about living for Christ, uh, it's kind of like we're taking a, a meal to a starving person to eat. You know, they're, they're starving, but, but they don't know that. And, and we're going and we're saying, we have, we have food for you to eat, and they, just, they say, well, we don't want that blessing. We, we're just going to stay cursed. And, and that's really where people are today, and so we need ammunition to carry with us to help them make their decision and not put that decision off. Also, even after you're saved, we find ourselves making a lot of choices. We have choices that, that result in blessings, and we choose things that result in cursing. So we, we would do good to really consider our decisions that we made. We, uh, several years ago, me and Denise and uh, John, and I'm not sure who was, Jacob went with us, and we went and saw George Jones sing, and he was over in Greenville, and uh, he was an old man then. Matter of fact, it was his last tour because he died in Oklahoma uh, a month or two after we saw him in Greenville. And we were thinking about going up there and seeing him again. But uh, he, he has a song called Choices. And in that, in that concert, he talked about that song. And he said, you know, before he sang it, he, he talked about a, the, his wife now and how when he met her, he realized there were more to life than what he had lived. He had lived this sinful life, and uh, but he had chosen Christ, and he had chosen to live for Christ. And he said, I, I wrote this song about choices. If you haven't heard that song, you ought to listen to it. It's really a good song. But uh, he talked about how his choices had affected all of his life. Well, Christians, we still make choices, and they affect us. Every day, whether blessings or cursings, and those who have never accepted Christ, they've really come to the point in that valley of decision of saying, you know what, I'll choose a curse over a blessing. So uh, let's talk about a good reason, and I have four of them this morning, of why we would want to choose blessings over cursing. And the first is this, we would want to choose a blessing over cursing because we have immediate joy. 
Now, all of these things I'm going to give you, I have Scripture that backs them up, so don't say, well, this is just... Uh, this is just your ideal, Jake, and we all have different opinions. Here's what Proverbs 10.22 says. It says, God's blessing makes a rich life, or life rich, and nothing we can do can improve on what God has done. Nothing. Now, that's the message, okay? This... Uh, this, this, uh, what's on our board is a little bit different. You may have a different translation, but that's the bottom line. God's blesses, God's blessing makes our life rich. And there's nothing we can do <clears throat> to improve on what God is doing. You know, uh, around, I think probably most every person likes to have a gift, like to receive gifts. And maybe around Christmas, you have a gift under a tree and, and uh, the older we get, that changes a little bit. But boy, when you see that gift, you want to get to it, don't you? You want to open it. You want to see what this gift that's been given to you. And there's some anticipation. There's some excitement there about this gift that you're going to receive. And and uh, we we say, well, you've got to wait. No, nope, you got to wait. Some of you parents spoil your children. No, most of you parents spoil your children. And some of you even let them start opening gifts before Christmas. Does any of y'all do that? Oh, you can open one today. You can open one next. Don't do that. That's just spoiling that. I say, no, we're going to wait till Christmas morning, or we're going to wait till Christmas. But, but there's anticipation there. There's something, hey, I want to go ahead and do this. Well, when we get saved, we don't have to wait for heaven to have a better life. We don't have to wait for heaven to have a better joy. That joy is inward. It's not affected by our outward things of the world. Now listen, I don't want you to miss what I just said. We have an inward joy when we're born again Christians that is not affected by the things of the world. It's a joy that goes beyond our emotions, our feelings. You know, our emotions are the most shallowest part of who we are. That's why we can go from happy to sad just like that. You know, we can be we can be happy, and the next thing you know, we can be sad. We can be happy, and just like that, we can be crying about something. I mean, our emotions are very shallow. They move back and forth real quick. But the joy that we have in Christ, immediate joy, when we accept Christ, we have a joy that's internal. And it's a joy that we understand that, hey, I have a... I have something better waiting me regardless of what happens today. So, uh, you know, if we, even if there's not a heaven or hell, which there are, uh, we need to realize that, that Christ gives us so many blessings in this life and He offers so many blessings. That's what we prayed about a while ago. Christ says, I have come that you would have life more abundantly. He desires to bless us. He desires to bless our children. He, he desires to bless our families. But there's something there that, that we have to accept that blessing. We have to accept that gift. And when we receive it, He gives us a deep-seated joy. And, uh, you know, I don't understand why some people think becoming a Christian is like taking some kind of bad medicine. I've never taken castor oil that I know of, but evidently it's pretty bad stuff. It's, it's, it must work well, but it must be really bad stuff. If you remember in the Cowboys, John Wayne, when all the little boys got in the whiskey... Uh, they give them castor oil the next morning, and and they were throwing up left and right. And some of them, as soon as they'd see it, they'd get sick. But but sometimes when we start thinking about receiving Christ, it's like we're having to pay a penalty to go to heaven. That's what people say. You know, man, got to accept Christ. But we need to we need to realize that when we accept Christ, it's a wonderful life. 
Jimmy Stewart talks about a wonderful life around Christmas. When we accept Christ, it's a wonderful life. And we can have that life. We can have those blessings right now. Now, I'm not up here saying we don't have troubles in life, that we're not going to have difficulties in life. I'm saying God says, I'm going to bless you today. Now, the blessings that await us in Christ Jesus are more than we can imagine. But God still desires to bless us today. You know what? We can have that wonderful life. We can have a fun life. We can, we can, Denise and I, we go on a date every Saturday night. Did y'all know that? We date every Saturday night. Now, we go out to eat sometime during the week, but we actually go out together and, uh, and set together and everything, you know. Now, I cover up with a quilt, and she sits there in shorts because I'm freezing to death, and she's burning up. But wherever we're at, uh, now, we're outside on our dates a lot of times. But, but uh, you know what? We, we went out last night. We got home at, I hate to even tell you what time we got home this morning. <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was the midnight bell had already rang a couple hours earlier, but... Uh, but we had fun, and and I remember having fun last night, and and uh, and I have no regrets, and I have no hangover, no headaches either, you know. And and uh, we need to realize the world says you have to live this way to have fun in life, and Christ says, wait a minute, I have a plan for you. It's a wonderful life, and we can have fun in life, and we can serve Christ. It's not taking bad medicine. It's not paying some kind of penalty and God says, I'm going to keep you from having any joy on this earth while you serve me. No, God says, I want you to have an abundant life and I want you to experience immediate joy. Adrian Rogers says, the joy of knowing Jesus isn't just for the sweet by and by, but for the nasty now and now. And I think that's really true that, that knowing Christ isn't for the, it isn't for the future. It's not for the sweet by and by, it's for, it's for living now. So why wait? Don't put off your, uh, your salvation till your deathbed and say, well, I've lived my life and I missed out on abundance of life because I've put that off. Lost people may have furnishings and fineries, but they have no joy. They may have cars, they may have clothes, but they have no joy. And Christ came that our joy might be complete. This is a sad story when you really think about what this person is saying, but this is an actual suicide note from a reporter in a New York City hotel. This is what he wrote. No one is responsible except for myself. I have run from house to house, from country to country, from wife to wife in a vain endeavor to get away from myself. I've done what I've done because I'm fed up with the necessity of inventing devices for simply getting through a 24-hour day. Isn't that a shame that he didn't know Christ? Isn't that a shame that he looked and, and saw life as, as hopeless and as dreary and dull with no joy? We should choose blessings for immediate joy. Here's the second thing. This is the second reason we want to choose blessings. Because impending death. Now, we don't want to talk about death, but we're going to just a minute. A friend of mine that we, I served with in the ministry at, at uh, First Baptist Church Fairview, uh, his, his uncle was a pastor, and it was Calvin Ushery. Calvin has come and preached here before for me years ago, and uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But uh, there were several ministers in his family, and he said, every time we have a family reunion, all we do is talk about death. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and he said, boy, it's a jury family reunion. And, and uh, so nobody wants to talk about death, but listen to what the Bible says. And it is appointed once for man to die and then face judgment. Here's the truth of the matter is, unless Christ comes back first, which I believe he could, we're all going to die one day. We're all going to die. That, that's just a, a truth that, that what does Forrest Gump said, Mama says, dying is just a part of living? That's really true. We're all going to face death, and after that, we're going to face judgment. So the next time somebody says to you, well, I'm going to receive Christ, but uh, just not right now. I'm just not ready. Just If you would, ask them to do this. You can find a pulse. Y'all know where to do that, right? You can do it here in your neck, off your Adam's apple. You can find it, or you can... You can find it over here in your wrist and, and say, you know, just, uh, just, just find your pulse there and you can feel it beating. I can feel mine beating right now. But anything could happen right now. I could have a heart attack and fall over and that's not going to beat anymore. And you know, we're, that, we're, we're one pulse away from being in eternity. Isn't that quick? That's not to say, hey, one of these days... I'll get things right. One of these days when I retire, when I get this done, when I get that done, one of these days when my kids get grown, one of these days when I, when I get a little bit older and I live a little more of my life, when I get my, my oats sold like I want to, I'll come receive Christ. But we know we're one heartbeat away from eternity. We need to realize that because there is an impending death. There's one beat between us and eternity. You know what the Bible talks about? Life is short. Now, here's something I think you'll agree with me on. The older you get, the more you realize how short life is. Isn't that true? You know, when you're young, it doesn't say, it, it didn't seem like anything. I was telling a, a person the other day at work, I said, boy, when I started, it might have been somebody here at church. I remember starting work for Texas Power and Light. I was 19 years old, and... And uh, we had a birthday party for a guy that had just turned 30. And, uh, and they said, it's James, his name was James Benefield. And he said, they said, it's James' birthday. We're going to go back here and have a cake. I said, how old is he? They said, 30. I said, he's 30? Yeah. I said, he don't look 30. <laughs> I said, I had no idea he was that old. <laughs> you know, because, boy, 30 years old. Well, I passed that 28 years ago. And I still don't feel that old, but boy, when I look back, I mean, 58 and a half years is gone like that. And the Bible says life is short. Even somebody that's 100 years old, Avis Murray sent you a birthday card, and it's on my desk in there. She's, is she 100? She's close to it. She looks 103. Oh, what well, she could be listening. I'm just joking, Avis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This lady, Denise, and my mother worked with her years and years and years ago. And uh, she's, but you know what? I, I bet you she would say, boy, life is just gone. It's just gone by. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says life is like a fading shadow. First Chronicles 29, 15. Our days are like a passing shadow, and we cannot escape death. You know, when we got here this morning, there was shade coming this way, and just a few minutes later, the sun's over us, and in just a little while, the sun will be down, and those shadows will be moving, and they move so quickly. 
Job 7, 6 says, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Do y'all know what that is? Does anybody know what that is? That doesn't surprise me. Do you, do you weave? And, okay, well, you know, it's just a needle, a weaver's needle. So uh, I've thought about, a, uh, I thought about somebody that what, knit one, pearl two, what's that called? Uh, <laughs> I got that off. Knitting. <laughs> well, of course, good job. <laughs> I got that off I Love Lucy, knit one, pearl two. I don't even know what it means. But, you know, you can watch somebody and they're just weaving away, watching TV, you know, and they're making something. Or, or a basket weaver takes a needle and he works it in and out of there. And Jacob and me was talking about it, uh, wasting time on the, on the Internet. He said, man, I'll sit there an hour and watch somebody build a basket, you know, just because they work so fast and their hands are just moving so fast and it's amazing. Well, Job says, my days are swifter than that. They're swifter than that weaver's needle. Or weaver shuttle. The Bible says in Job's 9, 25 and 26, it's like a hurrying messenger, or it's like a fast boat, or it's like a diving eagle. Listen to this. Now, my days are swifter than a post. Does anybody know what a post is? I didn't. And your translation may be a little bit different, okay? This is the New King James. My da- King James says the same thing. My days are swifter than a post. Uh, a post was a runner. It was somebody that, that, that ran, a messenger. They went here and went here and went there. We get, our, we get our term postman from that. What's a postman do? He runs mail. He's a runner. And so Job says, my days are swifter than that runner. They flee away. They see no good. He also says this, my life passes like the swiftest boat. My life passes as fast as an eagle swooping down on a rabbit. That's, that's what the Bible says about our life. James 4, 14 says, Life is like a vanishing vapor. It says, Whereas you know that you shall be no tomorrow, for what is your life? It's just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Just that cold morning when you see your breath and and it's there, and it just fades away. James says, that's our life. That's, that's how quick our life is. The, the psalm says, like a blade of grass. Have y'all noticed that, boy, a, a few weeks ago, our, our pastures looked so good. The hay meadows looked good, you know. Everything was green and luscious. And then all of a sudden, in about a week, the, the rye grass is kind of getting yellow and kind of laying over. It's kind of looking bad. And, and what happened? Well... In about a week, it got hot, and the wind started blowing. You know, hadn't the wind blowed hard this year? I mean, that hot air blew and blew and blew, and it just started taking the life out of, out of a lot of the grass and things that we have in our pastures. On top of that, the drought. Now listen to this. Psalms 103 says this, As for a man, his days are like grass. As a flower in the field, so he flourishes. But the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and the place thereof shall be no more. That's, that's, that's the Bible over and over and over and over. It wants us to understand our life is quick. The older you get, the more you're going to look back and say, man, I can't believe this. Your kids, boy, my kids, they seem like they were just born and they're graduating high school. Seem like they just got out of high school, they're getting married. Seem like they just got married, they're having children. 
Seemed like they just got out of high school, they just went to first grade, they're having grandchildren. Life is just moving on and on and on. And, and we need to choose blessings over cursings because life is short. D.L. Moody preached in Chicago. He said he felt the Spirit of God moving of this great crowd that was there, but for some reason he resisted the urge to give an invitation. He preached. He said, I don't think I'm going to give an, uh, an invitation tonight. That night was the great Chicago fire. And he said, there was hundreds died in that fire. And he said, I know because, I, he said, I feel like that night, if I had given an invitation, there would have been many saved that are lost in hell right now. He, he said from that point on, he never preached on salvation that he didn't give an invitation. Never again. Because he realized that, that life is short, it's fast. So we choose blessings over curses because of immediate joy, because of impending death, because of imminent rapture. Listen to this, Matthew 24, Therefore be ready, for the Lord will come in an hour that you think not. I've preached on this before. You know, people today, I think if we ask every person in this room today, including myself, do you think the Lord's going to come today? I would bet 99.99% of us would say, no, I don't think He's coming today. Why don't we think that? The Bible says this, the hour, the, the time of coming to the Lord will be when people are saying, I don't think He's going to come. It says people are going to be crying peace and safety and all is well. And just like that, the Lord's going to come. He, he came the first time. He came as a baby in the manger. And as sure as He came then, He's going to come again. He's going to whisk away His people. He's going to whisk away the church. He's going to whisk away the church age that we're living in now as Gentiles. His prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And the tribulation is going to start. And folks, we need to understand we're not waiting on some event to happen before Christ can return. All the prophecies of His return have been fulfilled. There are signs everywhere of Christ, of His imminent return. He's, he's coming. He's coming for us. And, and we need to understand, I, I want to choose blessings over cursings because God is going to come and He's going to call His people home. You know, we, we, many Americans today, uh, the Bible talks about a, a one-world movement. That, that, that started decades ago. This is, this is prophecy of the entire... Uh, the Bible talks about a one-world church, a one-world economy, a one-world government, government, and we're right on its heels with that right now today. I mean, uh, a lot of Americans, I would say a lot of them, they rejoiced when we had our new uh, people in office, you know, President Biden, and they thought that was the greatest thing ever. And, and the world looked on and said this, boy, we, America is vulnerable for the first time in years and years and years. And they said, door of opportunity right there. Well, what am I talking about that door? I'm talking about a chance for the world to say, hey, we need one leader. If, if America keeps on the path it's going, we're not going to be a superpower anymore. We're going to be weak nation that, that some other nation come in and take over. And incidentally, when the Bible talks about the powers of the end time, America's not even in there. I think it's because when God comes and raptures the church, America is going to be in a mess. And it's in a mess now, even with Christians here. So if I wasn't saved, I believe I'd get saved because looking at the world, I think we're in labor right now and it's about time to deliver. And I'm referring to Matthew where it says the, there'll be some labor pains and then the Lord is going to come. 
I believe we're there. So here's my last thing. We have immediate joy. That's the reason we'd want to choose blessings. We have uh, impending death. That's why I believe we should choose blessings. We have imminent rapture. That's why I believe we should uh, choose blessings. Here's the last thing. Increasing hardness. Now what am I talking about that? In Psalms 95, verses 7 and 8 says this, Today if you hear His voice... Harden not your heart. You know, every time a person hears the Word of God, every time they feel the Holy Spirit of God calling them, and they, they say, no, I'm choosing curses today. They may not think that, but that, that's what they're choosing. The Bible says that you're either for me or against me. No, I'm going to choose the curse today. It makes it a little bit harder next time. And it makes it a little bit easier to say, "Nah, not today. And then the next time you hear the feel the Holy Spirit of the Lord calling you and wooing you, and you say, well, I don't think I will today. And, and finally, after, after maybe weeks or months or years, you feel the Holy Spirit calling you, it's like, eh, no, it just don't move me. I, I'm just got to that point of, of, of I'm not interested. Pharaoh's a great example of that. You know, Pharaoh, uh, it progressively got harder and harder for Pharaoh to accept what God was doing until finally the Bible says God hardened his own heart. If you remember Pharaoh, how many, how many plagues were there? Ten plagues. If you go and read those, there's kind of a progression there. It says first that Pharaoh would not yield. Okay, He wouldn't just give over. And then there's several in there that says Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then there's others that says Pharaoh's heart became hard. So we say not yielding, hardening his heart. His heart became hard. And then that last plague, the Bible says this, the Lord hardened his heart. You know what? Pharaoh turned down God so many times that God said, okay, if that's what you want, if that's what you desire, then, then here's a hard heart for you, Pharaoh. And God hardened his heart. You know, there are some people that, that are against leading children to the Lord. We've had that in our church. <clears throat> what I'm talking about, sometimes people say, well, that, that child's too young, or you play on a child's emotions or whatever. You know what? Jesus didn't feel like that. Jesus didn't feel like that. Matter of fact, he said, let the children come to me. Because, you know, Jesus says, it's, it's because of our human nature that we need Christ. And who's the easiest to mold? A child is. Folks, listen. If you've been watching the news, Christians, we need to be molding our children while there's still time, while they're still pliable, because you know what our world wants to do? Our world wants to mold them into, what is it, CRT, or our world wants to, wants to mold them into to, to gender changing and say, hey, you know what? You, you don't have to be how you were created. That's just the tip of the iceberg. You know what? I bet some of our parents here, not even going back beyond our parents, would say, I can't believe that we would ever allow that in our schools. Now, I'm not saying we're allowing it, but the government is pushing those things upon children. We're trying to put a judge in office that it's been the lean, most lenient judge against pedophiles and, and sexual crime victims ever. Gave the, the absolute lowest penalties that they could, pardon people that she could. 
because what are they doing? They're trying to mold a child to fit into what they want our world to be. And folks, we as Christians need to be molding our children and understand what Christ is. And we miss the opportunity, folks. We need to be involved with that because there's an increasing hardness that's taking place. And if the world can start molding our children, remember what I said, you look back just a few years, it doesn't seem like that long ago since I graduated high school. You may say, boy, it it does to us. Well, I graduated in 82. It don't seem like that long ago. And when we look forward and we look 20 years down the road and we realize if we lose that generation and we allow the world to mold them while they're soft, while they're pliable, then we've lost our grip on who we are as a nation. It starts with our children. So most here, I think, are probably already saved. Maybe if you're not, then I don't want to convince you you are. You know the Holy Spirit of God moves within your heart. But we need to be winning the lost people wherever we are. It's time to do that. We need to make choice choices that are wise. We need to recognize there's signs of the times going on, and we need to live each day like today is our last, because it could be. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today, Lord, that we would understand that we choose blessings or cursings. And as we get that picture of our mind of of Joshua putting two groups of people on two mountains and reading blessings and cursings, and you have one group that says, Amen, when the blessing's read, and you have one group that says, Amen, when the curse is are read that, Father, today we do the same thing. We choose blessings or cursings. Lord, I pray that we would choose blessings because we would know anybody in their right mind would choose blessings. Lord, I pray that we'd know that we don't accept you as a payment, as a penalty, that we don't accept you that you might rob us of joys of life. But, Father, we accept you that we would have life and life more abundantly. That when the tough times come and the hard days come and the battles we face are here, Father, there's a deep-seated joy that cannot be taken by the things of the world when we recognize that we reckon our present sufferings will never compare with the riches that await us in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray your Spirit would move among your people today. Lord, I pray that you'd take the foolishness of a man's words and, Father, you would bless them with your Spirit. They would fall on fertile ground Lord, I pray for our children. I pray for those in this church that lead out in that children's area. I pray for Christian teachers that struggle and fight battles every day over educating children and the truth of who they are in you. So, Lord, I pray that we would turn our eyes, turn our hearts, turn our minds towards you. Father, we'd be about your business recognizing that the harvest is plentiful, the fields are widened to harvest, but the workers are few. And Father, I pray that we would say, send me, Lord. I've decided to follow you, and I pray this in the name of Jesus.